Live at 5 Sports at Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Jim back in the cities after spending uh, the last week down at Augusta National watching the Masters where uh, the golf was sublime at times. What wasn't uh, sublime was the Timberwolves in their regular season finale throwing punches at each other and at walls. And uh, boy, it, it sets up a... Uh, a lineup tonight, Jim, in the play-in game for the Timberwolves that is going to be missing three guys. Yeah, uh, this is not good, and the uh, and the Lakers are playing really well right now. They've really got it going. Anthony Davis has been healthy when their starting five, you know, including Russell and Vanderbilt, has been healthy. They've been incredibly efficient offensively. LeBron's playing great. This is a, a brutal matchup. I and I, you know, we'll never know. But it's almost a convenient time to suspend Gobert if you don't think you can win this game anyway. Gobert's dealing with back spasms. The back spasms kind of led to the uh, argument with Kyle Anderson because uh, Anderson and his teammates were like trying to talk Gobert into playing through back spasms on Sunday. Then Gobert plays, but he's limited mobility. Then Anderson's yelling at him because he's not moving well, and that I think that led to the frustration that led to the punch. It's not an excuse. Uh, it's inexcusable to, to do what Gobert did, but that's kind of the backstory how they got to that point. So suspending him kind of means at least he gets a rest, mm-hmm. and then maybe they're uh, maybe they're you know he's better able to play in the play the second play in game and set them up for something of a be, being a competitive playoff team. Although it'd be much better if they could beat the Lakers to face the Grizzlies. I don't think this team fears the Grizzlies. I think uh, I think Jokic. Uh, I'm not sure this team has an answer for Jokic. I was surprised, though, when they announced the suspension for Gobert. I don't know that I knew what I thought they should do necessarily, but, I mean, it's it's there's a lot on the line tonight. I mean, sure, you still play another day if you would happen to lose the game tonight, but, but if you can win it, as you just chronicled, it sets up a good matchup against Memphis. You avoid Denver in that first round. You avoid maybe going 0-2 and barbecue in the play-in tournament. So I have to say I was surprised they suspended him for this game. I think... Connolly felt obligated to to settle things down. You know, I, I just think that, you know, you have two players throwing punches, one of them breaks his hand, you've had a very disjointed season. Um, look, look, I guess really, really big picture here, they ain't winning a championship this year. Yeah. Uh, and they have a couple more, at least a couple more years to go bare in this core. And I think Connolly feels like you just can't let this pass without saying we have standards around here. Your guy, Chris Hine, wrote an article uh, today uh, in the Star Tribune. I get it at startribune.com. Jim, of course, a columnist for the Star Tribune, uh, where he says that Kyle Anderson is a straight shooter, that he's a guy who will call guys on the carpet during games in practice, including Chris Finch, who said he gets after me once in a while, but I don't take it personally. And that was maybe part of what was going on here when all this blew up. No doubt about it. In fact, I did a podcast with John Krasinski and Michael Grady last night, and uh, Grady was saying that he had a conversation with Nikhil Walker and Alex- uh, Alexander Walker when he first got here, and he was asking him, how's it all going? And, you know, and Walker, Alexander Walker said something like, man, Kyle Anderson is just in your face all the time. Mm-hmm. He said, I have to learn how to not take it personally. Anderson is basically, in a lot of ways, the, you know, the player coach. He tells people what they should be doing. He holds people accountable. He's very smart. He's also very demanding. And let's face it, there are a lot of big egos in there in these on these teams, and that's not always going to go over well. Um, reminds me of a conversation I had with Rebecca, Rebecca Brunson about the championship Lynx team. She's, because they, they, you know, they're viewed as being very friendly with each other and very cohesive, and they were. Uh, but she said, "You should see in our practices. We were in each other's faces. We were demanding." She said. 
good teams fight. Bad teams don't fight because the games don't mean anything. Mm. Uh, good teams fight with each other because everything matters, and you're always trying to find the right path forward. And the Timberwolves are Anderson's third team. Sometimes I wonder about a guy who has that type of reputation, that personality for being in teammates' faces to hold them accountable. And I think, well, how many teams have they played for? Do teams put up with it very well? But San Antonio, four years. Memphis for four years. So clearly he hasn't necessarily worn out his welcome as much as he's sought better opportunities. Right, and Popovich speaks very highly of him. Memphis just has kind of a loaded roster where he was playing a fairly small role. Um, so this deal really made sense. I mean, listen, Kyle Anderson has been one of their best players this year. Mm -hmm. He is probably their smartest player. Uh, and conflict is almost always present with good teams. It's just that they usually know how to hide it, or it usually is in the context of getting better. I mean, you know, Puckett needled people all the time. Mm -hmm. Puckett held people accountable. Puckett got on people's cases if they didn't run out ground balls. Gladden was the same way. Um, you know, I've been around a lot of good teams where there is inherent conflict. You just can't have it go. It, it's a lot, really, just about across the line. You know, I mean, uh, as soon as Gobert throws the punch, it's a big, nasty story. If Gobert just rolled his eyes, it wouldn't have been, been a big, nasty story. If, if the Timberwolves were one of the youngest teams in the league, and Chris Finch talked about uh, immaturity uh, on the team multiple times throughout the season, you know, it wouldn't surprise you to expect that. This isn't a young team. No, it's not. And and I do think, I think Gobert is an immature guy. This is the guy who, you know, at the outbreak of COVID touched everybody, all the reporters, pens and, and recorders as if it was a big joke. I, I don't, I, I'm not going to defend Gobert. I think he's an immature guy. I'm not sure he's a very bright guy. Um, you know, I think Anderson is trying to push this team to be more mature. Uh, Edwards, I will give Edward, I don't off the field, off the court, whatever you want to say about Edwards, you can say on the court. He's a very mature player. He wants to play. He wants to play hard. He wants to win. Uh, Towns is kind of an immature, not a bad guy, but kind of an immature guy. So there is some immaturity on this roster. And I think that explains why they lost so many bad teams this year. How has Edwards been playing recently? I know he continues to score at a terrific rate, but his inefficiency has waned some here the last uh, part of the season. Yeah, I think he's. Uh, I think his 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 legs are a little tired. I think having to be. I think not taking games off and playing hard on both ends of the court has taken something out of him. You've seen times in the last month where he's looked over Finch and basically said, "Hey, you got to call a timeout. I'm exhausted." Uh, most NBA players don't play to exhaustion. Usually, they are in a rotation that allows them to do that. I, I just think that uh, he is bearing a lot of the brunt here, and um, I think he's fatigued. And it'll be interesting to see how he plays under pressure the next couple of games. Big picture. Do you see this team as it's comprised now still being together next year and beyond that? Or is there a possibility that one of the, let's say, starting five, if it's, you know, Edwards isn't going anywhere, but is it possible that Towns or Gobert could be moved in the next year or two? I would be surprised by that. Mm -hmm. uh, Gobert. For all the things I don't like about Gobert, he's basically done what they brought him to do here to do. He's rebounded. He's played defense. Uh, he has scored fairly efficiently, especially second half of the season, especially playing with Conley. Uh, if you trade him now, you are just admitting you're, you're admitting to a massive mistake, and you're not going to get anywhere near the value of what you gave up for him. Uh, I, it just doesn't make sense to trade him before you know you know unless there's just. He, I think he still has value, and I think this could still work. Towns, I don't see them trading him. Uh, once again, can you get value for him, and why would you give up on a guy who still might be your best player? 
Uh, Edwards ain't going anywhere. They're going to build around him. McDaniels ain't going anywhere. They're going to build around him. Kyle Anderson, whatever problems he causes in the locker room, is one of their best players and their smartest player. I just don't see them changing the core out until they give it a good full run with people healthy and see how it works over the course of a, a healthy season. Yeah, which they didn't have this year with Towns missing so much time. Uh, it did, is it a possibility that one of those guys asks out, asks to be traded ahead of time and kind of tries to force the Timberwolves' hand? I would think not. I think Edwards uh, likes Finch and likes it here. I think Towns wants to make it work here and would like to see what would happen if he played a full season with Gobert. Because you, hey, remember, Towns is one of the biggest boosters of this trade and playing alongside Gobert. Uh, I think he wants to work. Gobert can't ask for a trade. He looks stupid. Um, and I'm not sure anybody would, you know, would give up the value needed to get him right now. I, to me, everything points on running it back and, and just hoping for a little bit better health. Uh, let's talk twins uh, a little bit. Uh, beaten yesterday, but six and four off to a, a solid start. Kenta Maeda had one rough inning yesterday. Other than that, looked pretty good. The lineup just isn't there. Uh, yeah. Correa out with back spasms. I mean, Correa, Kepler, Polanco, Kirilov, that's like, four of your top five guys in your lineup and they're not in there. Uh, you know, Farmer, Solano, uh, Gordon, those are really nice depth players. They shouldn't be batting three, four, five. They just don't have a lineup right now. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's such a, a big part of it. I've, I've been encouraged by, by Larnick, though. He has gotten off to a pretty good start. He might look at this as his last best chance to, you know, be an impact player for the Twins. No doubt about it. And I really like him as a guy, as a young thinker, as a hitter. I think he's got a chance to have a lot of value. And, of course, he's, you know, with Buxton taking up the DH uh, bats, he kind of needs injuries to get at bats right now. I think the hope is eventually Buxton does, you know, spend a lot of time in center field. Larnick's your DH, or Larnick is in competition with Walner for that. Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Sue Ann, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.